When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You had better wake them up, get them up, get them going. It's Tuesday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B., have a national champion in college football for 2023-24, a decisive one down in Houston. Michigan Wolverines, the maize and blue, roar to a victory in the uh, perfect season, 15-0 for Michigan. They uh, harass and beat up uh, Michael Penix Jr. and the Huskies last night. We'll talk plenty of that game and uh, what led to it. A great start for Michigan, a great finish, and a uh, pretty competitive football game into the fourth quarter. But uh, too much Wolverines, too much defense, too much lines of scrimmage, and uh, the Michigan Wolverines are your national champions. Uh, we'll talk Longhorns as well. More news coming from the 40 Acres. Uh, dropping yesterday, we'll dive in there and what's to come. Also, the NFL playoffs will be uh, front and center with Wild Card Weekend on tap, both the Cowboys and the Texans uh, getting ready for Wild Card Games this weekend, hosting Wild Card Games one Saturday in Houston, one Sunday afternoon in Arlington. We'll dive into all that. Also, we've got news from basketball, baseball, and football, or and other football to get to. Big transfer portal news coming in late yesterday, so it should be a busy Tuesday. Our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation begins right now on 101.9, also AM 1260. Could be listening on our Horn app. We appreciate you doing that. Download that to your smartphone. Uh, hit listen with a touch of a button wherever you are here in the 512, all over the great state and all over the world on that Horn app, also at hornfm.com. And he's rolled in as usual uh, to hold down his side of the uh, show for the next five hours. He is our shutdown corner out of the 713 down in Houston, DB High down there in the H&H town, also from uh, DBU right here in the 512. He's a lifetime Longhorn. He is uh, four years in the National Football League, now 16 years doing great radio and media here in Central Texas and beyond. He is our uh, football theorist. He's Blackstradamus, the proud papa of Baby Monroe. Happy Tuesday, Rod Babers. Uh, thank you for the intro, brother, as always, and the hospitality. I appreciate it, and it's windy outside. I don't, yeah. think, I've ever had, I don't <laughs> think I've ever been in Austin and been and seen wind gusting to this. Uh, Blowing extent. everywhere, isn't it? I mean, it is wild out there, man. It's crazy. So, Did you run into some trash cans driving over here? Uh, no, it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I mean, they're blowing, because yesterday yeah. was trash day, and my trash cans were in, oh, blown into my gate, as a matter of, on my sidewalk. Yeah, no, it I got is, home yesterday. Yeah, the combination of cold and wind, I mean, just, uh, it took me back to my time in Michigan. Like, I feel, feel like I'm in Detroit a little bit, man. Cold and windy. Oh, you played windy in the, we played with the Lions. Yeah, Midwest is always windy for some reason. It's windy. It feels like that. Anyway, but, uh, so shout out, uh, by the way, for to those who serve of course, before we get started, uh, every morning we do it, and we're proud to do it. Uh, those who are up early with us, we appreciate those who are out there doing God's work, those who are uh, serving our community, uh, our country, uh, whether it be God, doesn't matter who you serve, we appreciate you serving us, and uh, each and every morning uh, we do this. So uh, whether it be your soldiers, your teachers, your nurses, your uh, first responders, each and every one of you, uh, we can't name you all, but we want you to know that we appreciate you before we get started. Yeah, 43 degrees this morning, and that wind, it's gusty here in Central Texas, and uh, 
of course, that storm moved through about lunchtime yesterday, as we told you it would, and uh, mm-hmm. brought the high winds behind it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty chilly uh, today as you get up and out and get cranking. We also appreciate your conversation. You're a big part of the show, obviously. Uh, Rod, myself, Ty back at the Horn headquarters. And uh, we come to you live from the South Austin Onion Creek studios, as usual, as we bring it. But you can also weigh in on the uh, game last night, all the college football and pro football conversation. Hit us on the message line, 512-447-3776, as we get this thing cranked up on a Tuesday morning. And, uh, yeah, start turning our attention to uh, the offseason of college football, was that Jim Harbaugh's final game last night? He says he just wants to enjoy it for now. Also, the NFL playoffs are here. And as we said, it's pretty cool to have both Texas teams in it and uh, looking to make a run. We'll dive in there as well as we get you going. Let's start with the, as we do each morning, with the uh, top stories, headlines to start your Tuesday. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment in their brand-new location not far from here, uh, bringing you the headlines this morning. Start down in Houston. The Michigan Wolverines rode a strong start and a powerful finish to a dominating 34-13 win over second-ranked Washington in the College Football National Championship game at NRG Stadium. Mays and Blue roared out to a 17-3 lead thanks to a pair of long touchdown runs from a little-used running back Donovan Edwards, which showed the speed on both runs. Huskies then settled down, outscored Michigan 10-3 over the next two quarters, kept it a one-score game. It was 20-13 into the mid-fourth quarter. That's when the undisputed Wolverines kicked it to the finish line. Big interception to Michael Penix Jr., who they harassed and beat up all night long, and a pair of Blake Corum touchdown runs in the fourth quarter. They ride that to their program's first national championship since 1997 for a happy head coach and Michigan man, Jim Harbaugh. Personally, I, uh, I can now sit at the big person's table in the family. They won't, they won't, they won't keep me over there in the, on the little table anymore. My dad, Jack Harbaugh, won a national championship, and my brother won a Super Bowl. So uh, it's, good to, it's good to be at the big person table from now on. Uh, now we'll see if that was Harbaugh's final game as head coach in Ann Arbor. As many as five NFL teams with head coaching vacancies expect to have interest in the 60-year-old, including the Chargers, Bears, Raiders, and Commanders. Whoever is the Wolverines coach, they will host the Texas Longhorns on September 7th of this year, week two of the college football season for 2024. Longhorns, by the way, officially finished third in the AP poll that was released this morning behind uh, Michigan and, of course, Washington. Speaking of Texas, news from the 40 Acres yesterday, official word from running back Keelan Robinson that he will declare for the NFL draft foregoing his remaining year of eligibility. Also yesterday, Jalen Ford, the linebacker, released a heartfelt goodbye on social media to Texas fans, announced that he too is headed to the NFL draft. And according to a report from 24-7 Sports yesterday, wide receiver A.D. Mitchell is expected to declare for the draft. He is projected as a possible first-round pick. Big transfer portal news late yesterday, former Ole Miss running back Quinshawn Quinshawn Judkins announced he is transferring to Ohio State. Uh, Judkins rushed for over 2,700 yards and 34 total touchdowns in two scenes with the Rebels. He's now headed to Columbus. In basketball, congrats to Texas basketball freshman Madison Booker, who earned co-Big 12 Player of the Week honors yesterday. Super Frost averaged over 16 points, nine boards, and six and a half assists up the Longhorns. Uh, Tenth-ranked Horns to road wins at Tech and West Virginia last week. Head coach Vic Schaefer's 15-1 squad hosting TCU tomorrow night. Texas men, who stumbled out of the gate in Big 12 Conference play Saturday night with that home loss to Texas Tech. They're back in action tonight at Cincinnati. That game tips at 6 o'clock. NBA Houston Rock Lost in Miami, 120-113 last night. And tough news from Memphis, confirmation that Grizzly star Ja Morant will undergo season-ending surgery on his shoulder. He will miss the rest of the season. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Lines of scrimmage. Lines of scrimmage. 
Yep. I mean, that game was all about the lines of scrimmage. You had the last three Joe Moore award-winning offensive lines, basically uh, the winners from Michigan or from Washington. So really good lines of scrimmage anyway. Uh, but Michigan even separated themselves from Washington in that game. Both lines of scrimmage, by the way. And that's where the game was won. Early on, they set the tone. Now, I think Washington's defense settled in. Their, man, their defensive front early on was uh, – they, they had some bad splits. I don't know exactly what they were trying to do early on. Bama showed you the blueprint on how to at least stun Michigan's run game a little bit and to, to make it clunky. But early on, Washington just – man, they, would get, they got gashed. Yeah. You're talking about over, what, 137 rushing yards in the first quarter? I think quarter? they had 200-plus in the first quarter. <laughs> the two long runs and, uh, you know, Michigan, Washington really settled in, but then it was the Michigan defensive and defensive line that was uh, too good for Washington last night. You know, I was really impressed. It was 174. 174 rush yards. 174 rushing they yards. Ended with, the they ended it with over 300 <laughs> rushing yards. <laughs> that just came in the first quarter. You're right. Most of that was on the first two drives. First two drives. I mean, and, yeah, Michigan, I think Washington made a little amped up. They were out of, out of, line, out of gaps and, as you said, wide splits and just didn't, you know, bad pursuit angles. The safeties seem to be, you know, taking bad angles. And, you know, Donovan Edwards is the speed back. He's kind of their Keelan Robinson, right? And he got the gate, got the corner a couple times and um, just a huge hole on both both runs and just this bad pursuit angles by, by Washington. And I think they were stunned a little bit by that. Uh, but from that point on, 17-3, it was a pretty good football game. But, yeah. you know, as, as uh, the Longhorns were unable to do, we knew the question, you know, the key for the Longhorns, the key for Washington or for Michigan last night, was um, you know he played, with, he played with a lead too, which is good. Well, play with a lead, but you know, hit Michael Penix, and, you know, knock him off his spot, make his feet move, all those things that Texas was unable to do last week. Washington, you know, Michigan was able to do, and a lot of it. I mean, they brought some blitzes there and there, but boy, really was with that down four. They were able to play zone behind it, and uh, that that Michigan deep defensive front just kept getting after him. And look, let's be honest, the last two national champions were Georgia. Now it's Michigan. Uh, safe to say those are the kind of lines of scrimmage that Texas is trying to build uh, to go with uh, the speed on the outside and the quarterbacks. But, you know, it takes recruiting classes and time to get there. Michigan's there. And that's what uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh's been building, you know, in, in six or seven years at Michigan is those lines of scrimmage and the depth. If you remember back during the season after they played Minnesota in Big 12 play or Big, uh, Big 10 play, P.J. Fleck, the coach at Minnesota, said that's the best team I've ever, we've ever faced in 11 years of college football. And he said they're just too damn deep. Um, you know, they just keep coming at you with waves of talent, and that's what that's what Georgia did for a couple of years in, yeah. in winning the national championships as well. Yeah, no, I think Michigan – I mean, Texas had the line of scrimmage advantage versus Washington. They just didn't have the, the pass defense to, to support right. it and against Michael Penix. So they, they pressured Michael Penix, I think, around 20 times. They couldn't necessarily get to him. They, they you know, they, they forced him to throw from different angles. They forced him to be uncomfortable, but against Texas, he made – Accurate throws after avoiding yeah, he pressure. He just wasn't near as sharp and, and last night, right? Last night he was just he, he was off. I mean, he, and there were there were plays to be made. Oh, I mean, wow. he just he just couldn't make them. I mean that that Romo Dunze play, the big where, fourth down play, know, and they went for it. Yeah, I mean there were there were like three or four shot plays where remember that they had they hit the one deep one and it was a holding call, um, and then he had that interception on the first drive, I believe, in the second half. Oh man, I just it was just inexplicable. He's got a cannon of an arm, and I don't know if he was trying to throw it away or if he was trying to drop it in the bucket. I have no idea what he was trying to do. That was just a crazy throw. It didn't make any sense. Ended up getting the interception. Great interception by Michigan. But Penix was – they didn't have the Penix magic. And without the Penix magic, 
Oh, man. I mean, they, they watched What do you call it, the Big Dak energy? They didn't have the Big Penix energy. Yeah, they didn't have it. <laughs> they, they didn't have it. They didn't have it. They didn't have it, man. And they, there's a, a couple of those plays is what they needed to open things up, and they just couldn't hit them. Yeah. They were there, though. Yeah, I mean, well, they were open. And, and Longhorn fans were, you know, again – but left to wonder, man, what if we had gotten that Michael Penix? Now, Michigan forced some of that, but there were some throws where he wasn't being harassed that were, were, were open. I mean, <laughs> it was just – it was like, wow. He just well, missed him. He's like, whoa. I mean, clearly, last Monday night in, in New Orleans, he was in the zone. Uh, he's he ready just, for that He couldn't miss. He was, he was dropping dimes. And, and for most of the year, that's how he's been. But last night, uh, just not as sharp and uh, maybe confused a little bit by what he was seeing from Michigan's defense and the coverages. But then credit to Michigan. But either way, uh, Michigan, the national champions, lines of scrimmage. And, yeah, I mean, they, they forced the issue. I mean, J.J. – I thought J.J. McCarthy uh, – he's now 27-1 and one as a starter, J.J. McCarthy. He didn't have a, a huge statistical game. There was one moment in the second half where I thought – uh, he, he had his biggest play. Uh, Washington had them backed up, and there was a big third down. Started running, and he did. He just he yeah. dropped back and then gashed him with a yeah. run right up the middle. That was a good play. Um, just scrambled for like 29 yards and got them out towards midfield. That was a huge play because if you're Washington and you're having a hard time going the length of the field, short if you could have gotten that spot, get a short field, maybe even a, a punt return of some kind, um, maybe. But uh, you know, you're right. Washington was looking for that big play all night, never could get it. And then, as I said, really fast start for Michigan, and then just a powerhouse finish. Yeah. Uh, in the fourth quarter. I think the defense actually played decent for the last three quarters of the game for Washington. It's just that first quarter, man, they just came out and threw haymakers at Washington in the first quarter. Oh, it was impressive. <laughs> I think everyone was thinking, okay, Mike Tyson. it's going to be a blow. Exactly. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a blowout, but then Washington's defense settled in, but they got no offensive support. If, it, if the Washington offense could have given a little bit more offensive support, I think the momentum – Probably could have shifted a little bit for Washington. But then when they came out in the second half and threw the pick, oh, man, that was trouble too. But it, they tried to keep it competitive, but without Michael Penix playing even, you know, I, I, honestly, that's, that's one of the – I've watched a lot of film on Michael Penix. That was one of the worst games he's played. Yeah, for, oh, as, yeah. as a passer, without yeah, a doubt. it was one of the worst plays. Without a doubt. That was his worst games he played. And I'll give Michigan's defense credit. That's the best defense in, in college football. No, that was so the number one passing team. Bad, but, yeah, number one offense against the number one defense, and the defense got the better of it. And, yes, I mean, they, they had the good fortune of, of Michael Penix not being razor sharp as he was the other night, uh, without a doubt. And and, they pressured him. Yeah. consistently, and their their DBs were hey played tighter coverage, and they had they had really deep, I think they had really exotic looks in the secondary too. They moved things around. They did pre and post snap a lot. They, they even played some three high. Well, and I think some. I think what you saw from Michigan <laughs> last night, uh, holding them to thirteen points. You know, that's the kind of secondary and depth that Texas is trying to build, right? They're, they're, they're overhauling their secondary pretty clear. You've talked about You're how ahead it's the, schedule. Yeah, You're ahead of schedule. Yeah, the Longhorns were ahead <laughs> of schedule this year. And, and this is the last phase of the roster construction for Sark and PK uh, to get that secondary where they want it. And that's why there's, you know, six new DBs coming in and uh, so many safeties in the transfer portal and whatnot. Uh, they're looking to overhaul that side. And that's, that's a build in progress. Michigan's there. Michigan, for Texas fans who are wondering what could have been, I mean, to finish third this year in the nation, the AP poll is out. Uh, fun to finish only behind uh, the two teams who played last night. Uh, pretty, pretty good step forward. And, yeah, frustrating that, you know, you didn't play better in your game because we said coming in after the, the game in, in New Orleans last Monday night, you know, Longhorns played a C-level game. Washington played an A-level game. And Texas had a, you know, had a chance to win the game late. Uh, so you're not that far from playing in that national championship game. Other side of that is, you know, you still got to keep building this thing. And Michigan has, has been in the playoff the last three years, Rod. I mean, they've been building towards this. You know, they were in the playoff a year ago and lost to TCU. They were there the year before. And this was their, their year to, to finish the deal. And, um, you know, send, maybe send Jim Harbaugh off 
as a champion. We'll see. I will say that on an interview with Scott Van Pelt last night on uh, SportsCenter, Jim Harbaugh did talk about uh, you know when spring practice is going to start and the date for spring practice and those kind of things. And at the same time, he gave no clarity on whether that was his final game at Michigan or not. Obviously, he said, I just want to uh, – I think I have the exact quote here. We talked about just let me enjoy this, guys. Uh, um, he said uh, – I just want to enjoy this. I just want to enjoy this. I hope you can give me that. Can you guys give me that? Does it always have to be what's next? What's the future? Like I said the other day, I hope to have a future. I hope there's a tomorrow, a day after tomorrow, a week, and next month, and the next year. He just wants to celebrate this right now with his family and with this team. So, you know, amb- 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 ambiguous to what, is, what the future is, but in the end, he's a champion as a Michigan man and forever a, uh, a, you know, a hero to all Michigan fans to bring a championship. Look, they're already the winningest program of all time as far as overall total wins, but they haven't had a national championship rod in 35 years. Yeah, oh, they're not – there's Longhorn fans now. <laughs> yeah. They're not easy to come by, no. those championship runs. Uh, that's why a lot of Longhorn fans were watching that game last night and thinking to themselves what could have been uh, because Texas, as you pointed out, had a chance to win that game. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, it, it, there were opportunities for Texas to run the football and kind of establish that sure. tone too early in that game. Um, but by the second half, obviously only having five plays in the third quarter, um, you know, Texas was at a point where they had to just and, – and playing from behind. And Texas at a point where they had to throw the ball. But you saw what Michigan was going to do. Michigan was going to run the football. And Texas also had the lines of scrimmage advantage too. And Washington was giving you the run early on. I think Texas – it was, they were late to adjust to that. And I think Sark wanted to adjust to it. He just adjusted to it in the second half. And by then, not his fault that they were fumbling the football away and not his fault that basically you saw Washington play a great a game of keep away against Texas in that They certainly quarter. did. They certainly and, did. And that's what sealed the game for him. But if you wanted to establish the tone early – and protect your defense because their Texas defense was getting abused. Their, just their pass defense was getting abused in that game. Man, you could have run the football. They were giving it to you. Yeah, you think of all those. Uh, well, even in the first couple drives, I went back and looked at some of the play-by-play yesterday and last night. I mean, well, they kept getting those tip balls, right? They came out in the RPO game, Texas did, and, and all those tip drill, you know, chip, tip down and knock down balls. You know, if you just run the ball there, as you say, and you're like Michigan did, just come out and run it. Uh, yeah. Now, you yes. and I were both talking about let's, let's you know, the, the game plan for Texas last Monday was probably to get Quinn in a rhythm and you know, we get him going early because that usually is the engine of the offense. Mm-hmm. But obviously 2020 hindsight is always 2020. Uh, you get a clear view. Should have run the rock more early. There's no doubt. But let's not forget it was 21 all at half. And anybody's ball game coming out into the second half. And, you know, Washington dominated the third quarter, took a 13-0 spurt, and Texas couldn't overcome that. Um, meanwhile, last night it was kind of the other thing that, that Michigan spurted out to a big lead. But, you know, by the middle of the fourth quarter it was a 20-13 to game, and it felt like Washington had a real chance to win that football game. But too much Michigan, you know, the Penix interception was huge and, you know, flipped the field. And um, you know, it just kind of felt like if Washington could get that one big play that they kept missing – as you talked about, the Roma Dunsey miss, the other deep ball miss. Uh, it, they, they could have maybe sprung it and uh, you know found some momentum, but Michael Penix never had it last night, and uh, Michigan just too powerful. And they couldn't get their tempo going. When they got tempo going, yes. they were moving it, but they couldn't get like the tempo with all of their pre-snap you know, eye candy, the motions, the shifts. They couldn't get it going. They were basically hunting mismatches, and they do it really well. But when they went straight tempo, I mean, they started moving it. They started moving it really well against they Michigan. I just, they just – they didn't mix in enough. Well, when Penix is off, I guess that's not a lot you can do. He, and he didn't have time. That's why he threw a lot of those screens. They were throwing a lot of underneath. He didn't have time for the vertical shots. And the few times where the vertical shots were open, he didn't hit them. 
Let me let me ask you this. He just and didn't I, hit him. Yeah, and their offensive line, the Joe Moore award-winning line, they had penalties last night. They got yeah, they their interior well got shoved oh, pretty bad. The right tackle, Rosengarden. Oh, yeah. he had a rough night. He had a rough night. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's he, his worst game. Yeah, well, he had the holding call on the big play, the one oh. big play they hit to Roma Dunze down the the right side. Uh, that was that one that was brutal. 35-yard gain. Yeah. And, you know, it was, I don't want to say ticky-tack hold, but it wasn't uh, malicious. But in the end, you We've know, he reached, re- reached his left arm out. Uh, I don't think he ended up holding, but it just looked like he, he gra- held him. It, it, was, yeah, it was a weird thing because it, it looked like he grabbed him, pulled then, him down, and then pushed him with the other, yeah. with the other hand. Even got, though, he, I'm not sure if he did that because it just could have looked like the guy just fell. He but, clearly got beat. I mean, yeah, and yeah. Then, so that's what the official saw. Uh, and, yeah, he had a rough night. He had a couple of offsides. Also, the interior, there was one play. And, by the way, whatever it was, I haven't read this morning what was Michael Penix was dealing with. I don't know if that rib injury. They said he had a rib injury. Re- resurfaced because yeah. you could tell he was holding his, his side all night in the second half. Because he got hit. Because he got hit. He got, he hit. got hit and hit Texas hard. Texas couldn't hit him. I mean, apparently he's been dealing with the rib injury all season long. Yeah. And, but if you, you can't get it. You can't make the, the rib injury be impactful or be a factor until you hit him. And Texas didn't hit him enough. Michigan hit him. Yeah. And then would, he's, he's, that rib started hurting. You can tell he's like, oh, trying to stretch it out. Well, that was That's the key. Like, that stuff adds up in the game. Like, that's a little, little stuff. It like does, that. 100%. You hit him one time, he's like, oh, man. But that's the beauty of sports. <laughs> that's the beauty of football. You don't get re- redos, right? You don't get you don't yeah. get do-overs. And, and Longhorns would love to have one uh, from last Monday night. And in the end, as somebody said, how do you think the Horns would have done against Michigan? I think Michigan Texas would have stacked up pretty well it, against Michigan in that mat- run game. Football's about matchups, man. They match up well against them. We said I said it from the jump. When I walked in, I was like, "It's a bad matchup for Texas. It's a bad matchup because it's Texas' biggest weakness yep, versus the defense. biggest strength of Washington, and they're the best in the country at it." It was just a bad matchup. Against Michigan, who wants to run the ball, Texas top five rush defense. Yeah, top five rush defense. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a hell <laughs> of a matchup. Top five rush defense. So Texas now the I, I can see the the Jonathan Brooks. I think injury came back to haunt Texas late. In the season, because I think you could have just dominated running the football against Washington, and I think Sark may have been more willing to do it. Those youngsters fumbling, all that. I mean, you, you wouldn't have had that issue. I, I don't know if you wouldn't have had it, but it wouldn't have been as big of an issue if Jay Brooks. I think it, the Jay Brooks injury, because I went back and kind of thought about it too after watching the game. I think it, it came back to haunt Texas at the worst time. Yeah, I mentioned that. Because in the red me. zone, too, think about the red zone. Oh yeah, that big Jay Brooks would have been if you had that oh, option. Man. You know no, no I mean? question. Yeah. No question about that. I mean, and again, those are the what ifs. But to finish in the top three uh, no, in the great. country it's is great. is a step forward. But but you're right. And but what you want to do now as a program for Texas is put yourself in that spot a few times in a row, right? You build to that. You you know Texas is going to going to lose a lot of good players this year to the draft and uh, to the portal and to just to graduation because they do do still graduate, right? They still do run out of eligibility at some Damn, point right in college football. Point, I, don't I don't know when, when it is. happens. I don't know when, but <laughs> hey, they do. Trying to get their masters now. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, again, uh, it's – yes, Jonathan Brooks would have helped. I still think the two biggest plays in the Texas loss were the fumbles. I mean, those two plays were critical. Huge. Exactly. Huge. And typically turnovers do haunt you in, in big games Penix, and big spots like that. threw it in, the first, in, the yeah. second, in that second half. That, that was big. That, that interception was probably oh. the play of the game when it came down yeah. to it. And uh, too much Michigan. They are the winners, 34-13. We'll hear more from Jim Harbaugh coming up. We'll hear that cut, him talking about uh, spring practice and hey, when it's going to be. He's Does a made man now. He, I think he's going to the league. I think he's going to the I league. do, too. You got a national title now on your resume. You're a made man in college. You're in the league, you were so close to winning a Super Bowl. And think about the, the rarefied air you're in then when you're a Super Bowl head coach, winning oh, head coach in the NFL, and won a national title in the college football. You're a made man in the football world. And I think that's ultimately 
what Jim Harbaugh wants. He talked about that. He talked about being at the big boy table. The big boy with, table. With, with his, right, with his dad and his brother. I think he wants to go to the league and win the Super Bowl. He was so damn close. Well, and it could be a hell of a year for the Harbaugh's because uh, his brother, John, who surprised him on the sidelines. That was a great scene when that John came up and scene. you know kind of surprised that was nice. Jim. That was neat to see. Cool. Uh, but, you know, his, his team has a chance to win the Super Bowl. I mean, the Ravens there's, have as good as odds of anybody to win the, win the Super Bowl in Vegas. Man, right now, <laughs> I, I ain't picking against them. I, 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 love, I think the Super Bowl is going to end up being the 2-1 seed, too, 49ers and the Ravens. I think all this stuff now, the wild card round, division round, we're just watching. It's the, basically, it's the appetizer. It's the, right? I think that it's the undercard because I think we might be in for a heavyweight fight yeah. between them two. Yeah. Well, and, well, and Channel, just me, he's thinking about it, too, because he's like, that team. That team whipped us. Well, and I'll say this to, to get to wrap up our first segment, of first conversation. We're just getting warmed up here. Our five-hour conversation just getting underway. We'll take your thoughts on the game last night, the Longhorns. We'll get to the behind the burn orange curtain and all the news that developed yesterday and what could be coming today for Texas. Also, the other big college football stories, Quinshawn Judkins to Ohio State. Uh, but, yeah, for the Harbaugh's, it could be a hell of a year. Uh, and for Jim Harbaugh, you know, there's a reason he hired Don Yee. He changed agents right through this process. He knows. Uh, we've heard all through December and into January the, the contract is on the table that he could sign with Michigan to stay for $12 million a year or whatever it is. Um, you know, he's 60 years old. This would be the time yeah. if he's going to go. I mean, you know, this is, this is the age to, to make a run back to the National Football League. And, you know, last night was the perfect platform to just say, hey, all Michigan fans, I'll be here. You know, I'm, I'm here. Uh, yeah, top of the mountain. Everybody top of the mountain. Yeah. They're, they're celebrating for the first time since 97. <laughs> yeah. And, gosh, when was the – I mean, it was back to the 70s with Bo Schemblecker last time they won an outright national championship. Because, remember, 97 was a shared championship, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Lloyd Carr. So, I mean, this is, this is the top of the mountain for Michigan fans, and there's so many of them and alumni across the country. This was the perfect time to say, hey, you know, don't listen to the rest. I'll be here. I'm your coach or whatever. He did not say that. He said the opposite. He left it ambiguous again, which leads everybody back to the same conclusion that whichever NFL team he feels most comfortable with and makes the best deal, um, you know, whether it's Vegas or the Chargers or the Commanders who want to be a part of that, the, the Bears who still haven't fired their head coach yet, uh, could be in the mix. So we'll follow that, but it does feel like that was it for him. And one thing I will say on that, Rod, it kind of feels like he would like his offensive coordinator, Sharon Wright, to get the job. You know, through the suspensions – when he because yeah. he missed six games this year from yeah. suspensions but from, from, you know, school imposed and then the NCAA the Big Ten and by the way this could this championship be vacated down the road we'll see the NCAA still could rule on the uh, sign stealing issues they'll take their time on that <laughs> but you know I think he would like to see Sharon Wright and maybe that's part of it I don't know uh, either way because that that team is built and as we said in the update we know September 7th of uh, this year Texas will be in Ann Arbor to face a much different-looking Michigan team, but it'll still be Michigan. That yep. if the, uh, at that point, defending national champions, Longhorns will roll, roll in there on September the 7th. I think we've already know that's going to be a, an 11 o'clock kickoff because that'll be the big okay. noon game. I remember they did the game swap from yeah, Fox and ABC right to, to flip. Because the game in 2024 between Texas and, and Michigan was supposed to be here. It was supposed to be in Austin. Yep. And can you imagine if that hadn't changed and you'd have Michigan, Georgia, Florida, uh, all coming to coming to Austin this year, uh, but instead they flipped it to, you know, it expedited the the move out of the yes the Big Twelve into the SEC a year earlier, and that was part of the negotiations with Fox and ABC. So Texas will travel to Ann Arbor on September the seventh instead of a home game. But uh, either way, in twenty twenty four, Longhorns have seven home games um, on their schedule. In 2024. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll pick up this, your conversation. Uh, somebody says Jim Harbaugh to the Raiders. Uh, we'll get into the, uh, mm-hmm. the Texas side of this thing and looking forward to that. Plus, before the end of the hour, some uh, um, who, what the facts. We've got to get to the what the facts before the end of this first hour of our five-hour 
Tuesday conversation on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'em Up, 1019, AM 1260, The Horn. All right, that was your final college football game of 2023-24, sadly. All about the offseason now, the Michigan Wolverines, uh, the national champions. They were a lot of people's preseason number one team. And uh, through all the controversy and sign stealing and in suspensions, in conversations, uh, they are your 15-0 national champs. How does Connor Stallions feel today? Where is Connor Stallions today? That's also a great question. Was he there last night? How does he feel? Is he celebrating? Because he's a, he's a Michigan man, right? Oh, man, all the way through. through. He wants so, to be the coach. <laughs> exactly. So is he celebrating in this moment, watching his team reach, you know, the zenith and the, the pinnacle? I or think is he, he is. I think he you know, is. I, does he have – he has shame. You one, know, one day, one day, we'll, involvement in the scandal. One, the, one day, there'll be an HBO documentary or Thirty for Thirty about Connor Stallion. Oh. Someone's going to make that. I mean, think that of, film. Somebody must have dropped him a serious bag because he went away and they couldn't find him. Like TMZ couldn't find him. Nobody I did read it. He was cited at the Rose Bowl somewhere, or maybe mistaken identity. I saw somewhere <laughs> where he was at the Rose Bowl uh, last week when they beat <laughs> Alabama. But he, he isn't talking though. He hasn't spoken to anybody. He hasn't gone on the record for anything. I will say this, um, and we'll we'll switch gears into the burn orange curtain. But uh, you know, congrats to Michigan. Fifteen and zero is really difficult to do through all of the the controversies. But you know, in the end of the day, the four team playoff, the the committee got it right. This was a really competitive and, and excellent four team playoff. The field was fantastic. Obviously, it. Michigan had to rally from you know to force overtime from behind to beat Alabama in overtime. It was a hell of a game. You know, both the semifinal games ended on the last play of the game. One in overtime, and one when when Quinn Ewers. You know, uh, should have thrown a, a different type of pass and getting to uh, A.D. Mitchell. Who knows? Uh, that, that's, that's how good these games were. And then last night's game, you know, was a one-score game into the middle of the fourth quarter at 20-13. to 13 And, you know, the interception for Michael Penix and, uh, you know, Michigan pulled away. But uh, really, really good games. I think the TV ratings will indicate that as yeah, well. And we already saw that last week with the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Uh, quick note, Rod, that um, the, you know, starting next year uh, – Look, this is the 2023 is in the books. 2024 is a whole new landscape for college football. I mean, oh, yeah. We know Texas and Oklahoma are off to the SEC. The Big 12 is going to have a completely new look with the, the four corner schools coming in uh, and all the changes there. Obviously, the four Pac-12 schools are headed to the Big 10, and it's also the start of the 4-12-team playoff. I mean, it's going to be – this was a fun season. Next year is a – is a turning point year in college football. It's going to change yeah. really dramatically. Uh, we know it's already changing right in front of us with all the transitions and portals and transfers, but, man, the, uh, the actual on-field product will change pretty dramatically next year with new conferences, a completely new look, and uh, looks. we look forward to, to getting you there here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B all through this offseason. And now the attention turns to the NFL, Rod, where you know the playoffs begin this weekend with wild card weekend games starting Saturday through Monday night. And uh, Texans and Cowboys both involved. I did see where the Panthers have requested to interview Texans offense coordinator Bobby Slowick. Not surprising. Carolina. Mm. I don't know if Bobby wants any part of that deal with that lunatic owner, Dave Tepper. Panthers, well. Panthers also requested to interview Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. That makes sense. And I was interested to see the graphic, Rod, that uh, on the 2023, 10 years ago, the Washington Redskins at the time, the then football slurs. team, now the Commanders, <laughs> had a coaching staff that was led by Mike Shanahan, but also on that staff, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach, and Bobby Slowick. 
mm. all on that 2013 <laughs> Washington staff. Uh, that, well, that's, that's, the Texans also had all those guys on their staff except for, I believe, Bobby Slowick. Yeah, before, before when right, Kyle the, was in Houston, right? Gary Kubiak time, he, they also had those guys on their staff. Because they, they carried they basically that, those are all Shanahan disciples. Was that, so. was that McVay? Was McVay in Houston too? Um, I don't know if McVay I don't think was he was. I think he, I think he joined in Washington. I, think, I don't know if McVay was in Houston. But I think LaFleur – I know Mike McDaniel and Robert La, Sala La, were. LaFleur was. LaFleur was in Houston. And Robert yeah. Sala wasn't. Heck, LaFleur was in Houston. Mike McDaniel was in Houston. Shannon, of course, was down there. Well, D'Amico Ryan was still playing, for crying yeah. out loud. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And That's I, quite a staff. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I believe Sala actually was in Houston too. Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah. Casey Stuttered and he were buddies. Uh, Casey's yeah. told me stories yeah, about Robert Sala and yeah. Mike McDaniel yeah, when he was playing. Like Casey, big Casey down there in Houston. Yeah. Because a lot of those guys were his age. Like, as he's playing, they're not much older than him because they I were know. all such young guys. They're all prodigies. Turn, yeah. All, all, looks like Bobby Sloak might be the next one. I mean, it makes sense. He's worked with Purdy and he's worked with C.J. Stroud now. And both young quarterbacks who – well, that's kind of what made achieved. Shane Steichen a made man, right? He worked with Justin Herbert and then Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you work with those young guys who achieved. They want a the lot. quarterback whispers run. You got to have those, a quarterback and a quarterback whisperer. Every, those guys, <laughs> whisperer. Those guys, you're a made man once you can prove that you can rehabilitate, resuscitate, or maximize a quarterback skill set. Yeah, and, and obviously they were kind of record, proving it, but and the record-setting year for C.J. Stroud. Yeah, on the heels of Brock Purdy. Exactly. Like, like oh, Bobby Slowick. Yeah, like, maybe and maybe he's the reason. Maybe not. Maybe I mean, not. I'm, but you I'm ride the wave. Away from, exactly. You ride right? the wave as you a coach. Just, you you take credit for it, even if it ain't. You're like, well, you know, this is stuff that I did. I was. I think I was pretty instrumental. It's well, on your resume. And, and to my point, who it's wants to go work for that crazy owner in Carolina? But you said it. He pays well, and that may be the last offer you get. <laughs> and, and think about it when coaching man when you're hot you're hot think about what's going on with Lincoln Riley right now right Lincoln Riley was the hottest coaching name in football really like for like two or three years and just kind of rode in and was like you know he went to USC he made, he made him a big move um, but if he was trying to go to the league like he's Losing steam really, fit, really fast. He's becoming Cliff Kingsbury 2.0. Yeah, so <laughs> man, when you're hot, don't assume. Like, yeah, wow, narratives can I, change quickly. Right? Uh, it doesn't take, take long. Yeah, I take that gig sometimes. Because Cliff, man. you mean, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, now Lincoln Riley has seen as someone who, who took over Bob Stoops' program and yeah. just kept it, but it disintegrated while he was there on defense. Now he's got a reputation. Now he's got the rep. Now he's got a now reputation. Got the rep. That, yep. that, that, that fast. You know what I mean? uh, but I wouldn't take Lincoln Riley off the radar. He still no, could not. be a guy in the NFL. Because no. as you said, in the NFL, they, they'll hire you a defensive coordinator. Oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing, but at one point, you know, he was kind of – Oh, the it. He was trending toward made man status. You are right about that. And I still think he is when we look at quarterback whisperer kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, it, it can change quickly i'm gonna say it. life comes at you fast life comes at you fast yeah. <laughs> for all of us i think yeah. that's fair and to the say thing, the texans they got D'Amico ryan's on they got their coach but at one point getting back to your original point e they had like four of those guys three, three or four of those guys that you mentioned all prodigies they were in their building hanging out and they never thought hey you know what y'all want to hang around here a little yeah. bit uh, and maybe be our, you know, uh, project, our developmental coach or something like that. They never hung around there long enough. Yeah. Well, and now they're trending in a real good direction with yeah. uh, the young quarterback. We'll see. Bobby Slowick, uh, get an interview in Carolina. We'll get to the NFL, and obviously that includes Jim Harbaugh uh, potentially. And, and, gosh, imagine if the NFL comes calling on Lincoln Riley and Jim Harbaugh because there is some talk that the, whoever's yeah. going to draft Caleb Williams would like to maybe talk to Lincoln Riley. Well, talk about the, the dominoes that would open in the coaching carousel around college football uh, if USC and Michigan oh. were somehow open yeah. in January. Wow. Yeah. All right, let's dive in behind the burn orange curtain. Texas football, plenty of news dropping from there yesterday as well. Uh, it seems to come out day by day now for who's coming and who's going for the Longhorns. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind 
That curtain. All right. Uh, the Longhorns, obviously, uh, with a lot of news, whether you're talking about guys there are targeting in the transfer portal, guys who are leaving, um, a lot of different news. So we'll try to get to as much as we, uh, of it as we can. Um, okay, so let's start with the Jalen Ford farewell announcement because I thought it was pretty cool. I love these guys. And I think it, I'm sure it's Texas, but maybe they got their own that they have these graphics departments that can put together these really cool videos to say farewell to the fans. And and I'm glad that it pulls at the the heartstrings a little bit. They're all sentimental. This one might be one of the most sentimental videos that I've seen from any of the players uh, in their farewell videos. Jay Witt had a really nice one too. We talked about that one last week. But here's a if you haven't heard it or seen it. Um, go on Twitter. It's on there for Jalen Ford. It's up there pinned for him. But it's uh, Jalen Ford's um, announcement that he's leaving, of course. Um, but it's announcement and his farewell to all the Longhorn fans. Dear Texas, I hope by the time this day would come that my legacy here will be as good as some of the greats who have came before me. I never knew how fast this day would come, but they say all good things must come to an end. I give it my all to the school and to make sure I love Texas football better than what it was when it found me. While the journey was never easy, you taught me to be resilient. I liked courage, but you made me fearless. And being great was only a passion, and now it has become my obsession. I would like to thank my coaches for the role that they played in my development. I want to thank the fans for the unwavering support. I want to thank my teammates who have become my brothers. And last but not least, I want to thank my family for always uplifting me. With that being said, while my time at Texas has come to an end, this is only the beginning. Thank you, Longhorn Nation. Welcome, 41 out. All right, Jalen Ford's farewell message. See, they're getting more and more sentimental. Loving the violin. I know, right? Is, uh, now, is that Sam Smith? Am I that right? Oh, I, I, I don't know the song. I, um, I think it is. I think it's Sam Smith. Beautiful instrumental. So so bad at saying goodbye, something like that. Oh, yeah, so bad so at saying So bad at saying goodbye. Does that, yeah. does that sound familiar? I don't know. I mean, I, I could be off about that, but I, I like Sam Smith. Anyway. But I digress. Uh, getting back to your, my favorite part of it, because it, it's something that I've been preaching, not saying Jalen Ford got that from me, um, but leave it better than you found it. People have been saying that for a long time. Um, but leave the Texas program better than you found it. He actually, when um, we got a chance to speak with him, he said that the reason when, when uh, he was asked why he didn't leave after his fantastic year last season, because he should have won defensive player of the year in the conference, and why he didn't leave, because your NFL stock was probably an all-time high. I mean, not saying it fell off a lot, but it's probably not as high as it was last year. His NFL stock was really, really high. And, I'm, and you know, in terms of linebacker, the value of it, all that will be considered. But he's a guy that's going to be drafted high enough, and I think he's a starter in the NFL. Yes. But the reason he said that he didn't leave had nothing to do with his prospects in the NFL. He didn't even really talk about that. I mean, that's what we were thinking. He said, 
Nah, I didn't want to leave the program like that after the Washington game. I didn't want to, that's not the way I wanted well, to leave. That goes to your point like, of what I didn't can want, you do for Texas, yeah, right? He said, I did, he said, that's not how I wanted to leave. Basically, that's with a loss awesome. to Washington. It ended up with a loss to Washington, I guess. But it was in the college football playoff as opposed to in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, so, yeah, man, he's, uh, he's, he's cut from a different cloth. Lowest rated recruit in that class. Guys built different. Built different, right? Yeah. And that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the challenge for this t- Texas staff now moving forward. Is you know these guys who saw the worst at Texas or some of the worst with a five and seven year and yeah, yeah. coaching changes and all the turmoil uh, or the tough times, I should say. You know, then then help you know build it and uh, leave a foundation that you that you hope remains. And that's what Sark has talked about. You know, we hope we 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 maintain that with guys like Rojo. Guys like Jay Witt, guys like Jalen Ford, you know, that those are the culture guys. Culture bears. Man. Yeah, it's good culture bears. It's got to be transitioned to this new new group. And um, if it does, I think the, the trajectory continues to be very, very auspicious for Texas. Uh, but, yeah, uh, tip of the cap to Jalen Ford. He was oh. quite a player, quite oh, a player at Texas. Hell of a player, man, no doubt. One of the, I mean, honestly, linebacker-wise, he's, he's going to be in the, the all-time great conversation. I mean, he had that kind of season, that kind of legacy uh, here at Texas and played. Uh, most of this year with a hernia injury. Hernia yeah, he injury. did. It wasn't 100%. Uh, yeah, so I think that was around that Oklahoma game, and I think, you know, it, now it, it lines up with the eye test, too. Like, what was wrong with Jalen Ford? Well, he's dealing with an injury all season long. All right, uh, let's get to the Texas transfer portal. Uh, so Texas is actually looking at wide receiver prospects in the transfer portal, and one of them uh, is Oregon State receiver Silas Bolden. Um, apparently he uh, – Target. He is set to visit Texas, um, and this is according to Greg Biggins of 247 Sports reported that Texas is one of the four schools Bolden scheduled to visit to see uh, early this week at some point. Hell, he might already be on his way to campus or on campus. But, uh, yes, yeah, so they're still looking at wide receiver targets. Yeah, we've talked that they're going to go. They need a veteran receiver. He's a small, fast guy. He's small, like 5'8", 160, yeah, small, <laughs> but super fast. Small, speedy guy, yes. Uh, now, at least he on his uh, social media says Texas has offered him. He, he you know, he put out that uh, been o- the official offer. Yeah. Um, so that came from him, Silas Bolden. But yeah, they had the kid, okay, the uh, the receiver from some Liberty in yeah, this weekend. C.J. Daniels. C.J. Uh, Daniels, a bigger, bigger bodied six, receiver. Six two, two hundred, but man, he's really explosive. Two, Twenty-one yards per reception at Liberty. Ten touchdowns. He's yeah, so they're so working different on, types. Of, they could get up both of them because they're very different types of receivers. They, they are 100. <laughs> uh, percent You know, and obviously Jonte Cook and that group, DeAndre Moore, are kind of the future at the position of wide receiver. But some experience. Matthew Golden's already committed. Uh, I would also say that um, you know there's a kid named Ryan Williams who's a five-star receiver yeah. out of Alabama, the state of Alabama, and he's gonna he has reclassified. He was supposed to be for the class of 2025 coming out of high school. He's reclassified, kind of the Quinn Ewers thing. Uh, and he's coming in in 2024, and he's supposed to make an official visit to Texas at the end of this month. And the the quarterback commitment for 2025 is a kid named K.J. Lacey, who's from the same same area, same school. And he's going to be here that weekend when Ryan Williams comes in for a visit, too. So keep an eye on that. As far as veteran receivers, young receivers, you know, Sark's looking to yeah. stockpile that position because that's – that's what he wants. Well, he's losing a lot. Yeah, he is. Why are you losing? I mean, you're losing your top three Receiver, receivers. Receiver, D-tackle, and safety is where you're, yeah. you're seeing a lot of attrition at Texas uh, right and now. And you got the two guys in transfer protocol, Casey Kane and Isaiah Nayor, who left. So, in total, you're losing five of those guys. So, And also keep this in mind for this kid, Silas Bolden, because you just talked about, you know, we mentioned you mentioned C.J. Daniels. You know, they're very different. I, I mean, you probably could take both of these guys, considering the attrition you have, you've had at wide receiver. They also need a punt returner because they're losing Xavier Worthy. You know, they need a punt return, and this kid 
Silas Bolden can return punts, and you look at his stature. And, and he'll remind you of uh, Keontae Turpin from the from the yes, Cowboys. You, he looks like a guy. Keontae Turpin. Yeah, he actually returned the punt for a touchdown last season, and he can return kicks between him and Matthew Golden. You would be Golden yeah. <laughs> when it comes to your return Special game. Uh, and like I said, you can still have your six-two, two-hundred guy, CJ Daniels, and also something to consider. And CJ Vogel brought this up. I thought it was a really good point. They're going to really miss Jay Witt's blocking. Yes. Because none of the receivers block like him. And they, he, he's such an enthusiastic blocker and so effective. Even Sark says he's the best blocking wide receiver in the conference. Uh, I wonder what wide receiver is going to take that that role, like take that role in his office. Because with his, all those screens, the wide receiver screens, the running back screens, the quick screens, the swing screens, I mean, you need a great blocker. And oftentimes, Jay Witt would be that guy. He put him in motion. He'd be the lead blocker. He would be, and he's he's a bigger bodied guy. Yeah, and remember, thick. Uh, yeah, thick. And, and used to play running back, especially at the beginning of the year. Ad Mitchell was having a hard time oh, with his man. blocking assignments yeah. on those same plays, and he got better as the year went on. But uh, it was struggle early. Uh, so it's a, it's it's an art. It's an art form to be a receiver that can get downfield and block and be willing to do that. Uh, all right, good stuff right there with Rod behind the BOC. We'll hit it a couple more times this morning talking Texas football. Now into the off season officially as the final college football game was played last night in Houston. Speaking of that. Up. We'll get our what the facts. Did you see that one what luxury box that had about three and a half billion dollars worth of uh, Say what? people in it? I'll get you details. Yeah, on what Say the facts. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll, I'll run through <laughs> it. Who was in one of the luxury boxes last night down at NRG Stadium? Also the, uh, the the Jim Harbaugh situation. And after 27 years together, Nike and Tiger Woods Tiger, have Tiger, split. Tiger Woods, Joe. No longer. Something's no longer. Going on there. Something's going on. Something's going on. We'll try to mm-hmm. decipher. We'll take your guesses on why, after almost three decades, uh, Nike is no longer in partnership with one Tiger Woods. Details coming. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, Rod B, time for some what the facts, including uh, it's windy outside. Damn windy. So temperatures in the low 40s in the wind. And we'll make it feel much colder than that that biting wind coming from the west to the east, or northwest to the southeast. Uh, Blowing pretty good. Uh, Windy most of the day today. Weather looks great, though, in the next couple of days. Uh, Into the week. We're now on a Tuesday as we crank this up. Michigan, as a fact, Roger National Champions. A lot of facts surrounding the game last night, including – I mentioned there was one luxury box that they flashed to at NRG Stadium. Uh, front and center was Derek Jeter wearing his Michigan pullover. Straight cash, homie. Also in the box, uh, Stephen A. Smith was there yucking it up with the dudes. Um, <laughs> Michael Smith. Jordan was in the box with the MJ dudes. MJ was there. MJ was there okay. with his guy Jeter. Uh, Travis Scott was there as well. And he, so the estimated, estimated net worth of that luxury box, probably about three and a half bill, oh, maybe yeah. four. I mean, MJ alone. And MJ and Jeta. MJ, she's in the, he's in the billionaire club. Oh, so for sure, for sure. Now, Stephen A's not, but, you know, one day. Oh, he's got a lot of cash. He does well. He does very well. But, uh, you know, pretty amazing, Rod, on, on a facts <laughs> thing. First six years for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, uh, for folks who um, were ready to run him out of town, one bowl win, no Big Ten titles, 0-6 versus Ohio State. Last three seasons at Michigan, three straight Big Ten titles, unbeaten versus Ohio State, 15-0 and perfect season in a national championship. Mm. Sometimes patience pays off. Man took a pay cut, too, remember? Yes, he took did. Took a pay cut after everybody uh, was calling for his head. And then, yeah, bet on himself. Bet, bet on, on himself. himself. Bet on yourself. And here he is. And, uh, by the way, good. one other note, Connor, somebody, somebody, a Michigan fan texted us and said Connor Stallions was at the Rose Bowl uh, with Chase Winovich, the former NFL oh, player nice. and Michigan man. There you go. So he was there watching the game. 
There you go. I like it. So, so Michigan, hey, Michigan's still showing love to Colonel Stallions. They know what he meant. They know what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> they know what he meant to the program. What do you have here, Rod? And what the facts? Uh, according to the Washington Post, uh, speaking of what the facts, uh, Bobby Slowick also uh, getting some love from the Washington Commanders. They have requested an interview with Bobby Slowick as well. Ooh. So the Commanders and the Panthers requesting an interview with the first-time play caller and offensive coordinator for the Texans. It's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, by the way, he began his coaching career in Washington, as you just you brought that up earlier, E, that they had that, they had that Shanahan clan up there at one point. He was a video assistant there for Shanahan in 2010. Yeah, rising, rising, and uh, Fast rising. riding this uh, T.J. Stroud year for the Texans. And that Purdy year, he wrote, wrote them both. Find you a good quarterback, and that's, you know, that will get you paid. Ask Cliff Kingsbury. Get you paid. By the way, I was looking. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great test on a What the Facts Tuesday. Uh, there's a great site called Sports Track where they, they track salaries and salary cap in the NFL. And do you know that going into this offseason now, now that we're here, uh, playoffs here, but the offseason – uh, of the top ten teams with the most cap space into this offseason, the uh-huh. only playoff team of the ten, the Houston Texans. The only wow. playoff team of the ten with the most cap space this yeah. offseason, the Houston Texans. Yeah. So uh, another reason why Nick Casario very well deserves the executive of the year, uh, the general manager, because, you know, it took – just remember when Nick Casario took over – as GM, he came into a toxic situation that involved Jack Easterby and Bill O'Brien. And what he inherited from Bill O'Brien was a team that had no talent, was over the cap, had no draft picks. So we, people ask why Houston was a punchline for so long. I mean, you had to work through that. Yep. I mean, you had to get cap right. You had to get some draft capital back. You had to deal with the Deshaun Watson mess. All that had to be dealt with, Rod. And in the NFL, you don't just you – know, it's kind of like Jim Harbaugh building the program. You don't just flip it in a year. It no, takes a don't. bit. And so, you know, and now here they are, you know, Nick Casario with a young quarterback, a young coach, a young defensive star, and a lot of good players, uh, a ton of cap space. I think it's the third most cap space in the league. Uh, and, you know, it, it took a while to get there, but now you, you have a team that, that's, that's poised to do some things for not just now but for the future. Yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, it's really impressive. No, I, I, I'll admit they need to – he should win executive of the year. They should take home – Multiple trophies. You know, rookie of the year is going to C.J. Stroud, but I, I think Nick Casario has probably the best case for executive of the year, too. Well, you made the case I, for D'Amico as coach of the year yesterday, yeah, I think and he, it's a strong one. It's a, it is a strong one. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, college football career versus top ten teams. Last two seasons, 6-1 and one straight up, 6-1 and one against the spread. Uh, but in the ten seasons prior, he was 5-16 and 16 straight up and 8-13 and 13 against the spread. So, Man, Harbaugh's turning a corner. Oh, how about this about Michigan, though? 68% of the time they, they, hit, they, uh, they, they won the spread they, against the spread. It's 68% hit rate. As somebody said on the text line, the big question is, will Connor Stallions get a championship ring? I think so. Uh, yeah, somebody will get him one. Because the, the boosters and the donors, they'll, some of those big-time ones will buy one, and they, they, they're very gracious for what he did for the program. He's a great guy, <laughs> great follow on X or Twitter, Joe Pompolano, who uh, is a big business and sports guy. He says that the, you know, Roger Federer, the tennis player, of course, was one of the only, only six athletes to cross over a billion dollars of earnings in their career while still active. Beautiful thing. Uh, he says Nike letting Tiger Woods go and walk away at the end of his career reminds me of what happened with Roger Federer, Joe tweeted, uh, or X'd. Uh, Federer ended up signing a $300 million deal with uh, Uniqio, an equity-based deal with On Running that earned him another $300 million. 
while he was still active playing tennis. Tiger Woods is still active playing. He's just planning to play one event a year. Mm. Leaving Nike leads you to believe there's something else in the works, right? 27 years and Nike allowing this. You wonder if he's going to either start his own brand or, you know, going to sign something like Roger Federer did um, because, again, Roger Federer only one of only six athletes to cross over a billion in his career while still active. Tiger's already there, by the way. A billion. Tiger's already there. Yeah. No, something's in the works. I wonder if he's that, that Tiger Woods brand going to become like the Jumpman brand. And he'll kind of do his own thing. Like well, because so many people have the Jumpman. swoosh now, right? Yeah. That TW brand can be his. And, yeah. That's you know. what Jumpman is. Jumpman's it's not Nike. And that's no swoosh on there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right, we're back. That's one hour down. Four to go. I'll hook him up with Ian Rod B on a Tuesday.